0: Greetings, grace, and peace to you. Um, it is a joy to be with you this morning. My name's Jake Bennett. I'm a pastor. I serve in a church in Chattanooga. And uh, my family and I are so grateful to have had this time this week with you. Um, let me say if you're a visitor here and, and come back another Sunday, here, one of the other good preachers that, that are actually here. Uh, but but it's a joy to be here. And, and if you are a visitor, I would encourage you... Um, Continue to come back to this this family. Uh, We've experienced the the love of God this past week through the brothers and sisters in this church at Holy Cross. And um, let me encourage you to come to experience the love of God through his people here. So, my family have been well loved. Thank you. Um, Before I I, I call us to the passage, I just wanted to address the children, Uh, Holy Cross kids. It's a joy to, be, to have you here. Uh, man, it's, I'm glad this is the fifth Sunday. I get to see your faces. And um, the Lord Jesus delights in your presence and his worship too. And I, as we get ready for this passage, as, as we get ready to hear God's word, um, if you've got a piece of paper and you've got the ability to draw something, I would love it if you would draw a particular picture, a, a picture of something that you have to do that you may not like, that might be really hard, but through it is something wonderful at the end. Like, if you play sports or, or you practice with an instrument, would you draw a picture of you doing that and, and the practice over and over, but through the end of that you get to play in a game or you get to, you, you get to play in a band, or, or even brushing your teeth. you got nice teeth afterwards. Would you, would you draw a picture of that? And I, and I would love to see that after the service. It would be a great way for me to get to know you guys. Um, so if you draw that, I'd love to see it. Well, please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at the first three verses. And we're going to be asking the question of, along the lines of that picture. How do we endure In the the walk of following Jesus, how do we endure in the Christian life? Now, if you're here to hear just from me, you're going to be disappointed. But we're here to hear from God's word. And so would you stand? Because we're we're going to honor the Lord in his word by standing as we hear and read Hebrews chapter 12. Let's listen to God's word for us. of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you would not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your word today. We thank you for it. We thank you for your steadfast love that would send your Son into this world to save sinners And we ask that you would give us eyes to see you in your word and ears to hear your word this morning. Would you lead us into a greater and deeper knowledge of of who you are and your faithful love towards us? Because apart from you, we can do nothing. But in you, Lord, we have life, life abundantly. So would you be present with us now? Would you lead us by the power of your spirit? For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, his elderly hands ached as he painted. When he would grab a paintbrush and put it to canvas, it was agonizing torture for him because of the arthritis that was so bad in his hands and knuckles. In fact, when when peers watched him paint and friends When they watched Pierre Auguste Renoir, when they watched him paint, they would ask the question How how can you keep painting? How can you keep doing this when it causes you such agonizing pain? And Renoir's response was this the pain passes, the beauty remains. The pain passes, the beauty remains. You know, one of the uh, world's most famous impressionist painters, in order to produce the, the beauty of his painting, in order to endure, he had to look at something greater than the pain and the circumstances in his life. And that's important because... For the, for the church and for, for those of us, whether our walk with faith is just beginning to walk with Jesus or whether we've been walking with Jesus for a long time, walking with him means that we will we'll endure pain. It's going to be hard and suffering. In fact, Jesus talks about that in many places. He talks about that we're going to have to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow, to lose ourselves, to pour out our lives and our wills. Our resources, our time, our energy coming in to set up chairs, to play music, to be uh, giving us aside a time to be gathered together. How do we endure? Sometimes that even costs us our lives. And that's what the author of Hebrews is writing to address in this book. He's writing to a a group in the early church who were struggling. They were struggling to understand if Jesus is the only way to endure. They were beginning to receive such hostility and pain in 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 their lives from pressures from outside, struggles perhaps even from within. Maybe there might be an easier way. Maybe if we just slipped back to our old life, things would be easier. The author of Hebrews knows that there is no life apart from Jesus The only way to endure in life is to fix your eyes upon something greater than your circumstances. Someone who is bigger and greater than all the pain that we can endure. And so when he writes this passage in Hebrews 12, he writes it describing our life and our walk with Jesus as a race. If you're looking in verse 1, you'll see it in the second half of that. Uh, he writes let us run with endurance the race that is set before us that word race that's what he compares our life to it's a race and it's not just like a fun run where we're running and we're just taking a, a casual run it's it's a race that's hard the word he uses there it means to struggle to wrestle with something And so the author of Hebrews, he knows that this is a wrestle. He knows that it's going to be hard for them, uh, for the church, for for God's people who want to follow Jesus. So how do we endure? We fix our eyes upon someone. In fact, the way that he phrases it here in verse 2 is it's not just fixing our eyes upon Jesus, but his endurance for us. We endure by looking to Jesus, the one who endured for us. Look with me in verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You see, the author of Hebrews knows that this race is an really a speed race in terms of how quickly we get to the end, but it is a faith race. It's where we direct our end goal, where we put our eyes that matters. And throughout the book of Hebrews, uh, faith has been described in this way. Faith is being willing to trust in God with such confidence that you're willing to act on his promises even when your life circumstances make you wonder whether you can endure. It's looking to the promises of God and acting in obedient faith, even when you're not sure you can endure the circumstances that you're in. And so the way we endure is by looking to the one who endured, who ran before us, the one who he describes in the passage as the Founder, the one who began the faith, the one who established what faith is and what we put it in, and the one who's the sustainer of our faith. He, he's the perfecter, he completed our faith. He's the one who took our, our, our place, he substituted himself in the race so that we would simply just look to him to be able to endure. That's how we run this race, is by looking to Jesus and to looking to what he endured. Look at the text. It says he endured the cross, the ultimate form of pain. It's an agonizing death. In this case, in Jesus, it's an atoning death, it's a death that covers his people. Jesus at the cross experienced the fullness of the weight of our sin. The Apostle Paul would put it that he who who knew no sin, he became sin, not just he took on our sins, he became sin, that which is opposite of God. The Holy One became sin, so that those who look to him who fixed their eyes upon him, would become righteousness of God. All the fullness of God's righteousness poured out on his people. All the good, obedient life of Jesus is given to his people in faith by believing, by looking, by trusting, by making God's promises preeminent in our lives to make our decisions revolve around who he is. He's the only one that can help us endure in this life. And all who call upon his name, he covers. He loves. Now notice how, he put it, how the author puts it here. He doesn't just say endure the cross. He also adds this little phrase, despising the shame. Kids, do you know what shame is? Shame is that feeling when you feel like no one wants to play with you that no one likes you. You know, adults have that same feeling. We feel like sometimes nobody likes us, that we don't belong. But what's amazing about this passage is that the Lord God Almighty knows what it feels like to be rejected, to experience shame himself. Jesus endured the cross despising the shame that he knew rejection. He knew the rejection of his own people. He was the one who was cast out and they sought to curse him on a cross. They sought to kill him in the most humiliating of ways. Jesus willingly endured that. Why did he endure it? Did he endure it to make us feel guilty? No. (laughs) Did he make it so that we would have to pick ourselves up and fix our lives together? No. No you see what he says in the the passage? He endured it for the joy that was set before him. He endured it because there was beauty beyond the pain. He endured it because he saw something more valuable than the pain and suffering that he would endure. The joy that was set before Jesus. What's that joy? Well, what did Jesus accomplish? Jesus accomplished the restoration of everything. Healing between us and God. We we can call him Father now. And Jesus is on a mission to restore the world. All of creation, all that God created, that he said, this is good. Jesus came to renew and restore. And in that is restored lives, healing, community. See, the joy of Jesus is to see our lives whole connected, that we would never know shame again, that we would belong to his family, his forever family, that would not just last in this life, but in the world to come. That's what Jesus' joy is. That means that Jesus' joy increases the more we rely on him, more that we look to him, Jesus' joy grows And he's calling us more and more to pour out our lives to him, to fixate and become dependent more on him that his joy would grow. The joy that's set before him. And he's seated at the right hand of God. He's now in a place where he can ensure that his people will endure. He reigns in power and we look to him to know not only we are forgiven, but he has power to declare us forgiven. He has power to endure or for us to endure as we look to him. So to help us with that, all of that to get to the three main points. So if you're a point taker, three main points. We are to remember faithful witnesses. We are to remove every weight that's before us. And we are to refocus when we are in Remember faithful witnesses, remove every weight, refocus when weary. The Lord Jesus and the author of this passage want us to remember, to remember faithful witnesses. This is some of the graces that he gives us to help us to fix our eyes upon him. Look with me in verse 1. This is the opening verse, opening section. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, God did not make you to live alone. He made you for community. We were talking about this in, in the, uh, the visitor's class today, about how God designed us for community he designed us to be a community of witnesses. So great is this cloud of witnesses. That's the image uh, of, of an arena and those who've run in the arena, who've, who've already run their race, but they're not just leaving to go home. They, they actually care about the teams that are playing, right? And so they're filling into the seats around and they're watching and they're cheering and they're excited to see all the other, the, the other people who are running the race. They're cheering them on. And that's exactly what he's saying, except for it's not just uh, the witnesses. He's not talking about the witnesses in our current myths, He's talking about witnesses throughout the centuries and generations of God's people. He's, that word, therefore, it's tied back to the previous section. If you've got your Bible, you can flip over to chapter 11. You can see that this is a massive list of those who've gone before. Big hero names like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Sarah... Rahab, David. These are big heroes. We learn about them in Sunday school or other places where we're thinking about, man, these are these are the the, the big heroes. But they're not called heroes in this passage, are they? You see, a hero is somebody who can stand on their own two feet. A hero is somebody who saves the day. But they're not called heroes. They're called witnesses. What are they witnessing to? Well, if you look at their stories, there's some great stories in there, but not a one could save themselves. Every single one of them had brokenness, sin. I mean, they were adulterers, they were prostitutes, they were drunkards, they were terrible with their kids. There were such broken homes. If you read the Old Testament with honest glasses, you see a bunch of sinners. I mean, Abraham, his name was Father. Think of the family pressure to have kids. He can't do it on his own. He can't have a kid until he's 100 years old. In fact, he gives his wife away, not once, but twice, to another man. I mean, I don't think he would pass this Sessions interview (laughs) exam, right? (laughs) Abraham was a man who looked to one beyond his circumstances. That's actually what he's witnessing that he wasn't great, but he had a great God and a hero that he was awaiting would come one day and did come in the coming of Jesus. He was pointing himself to the one who would save them. That's what we're to do in our lives. We're sinners. We're not the heroes of our own story. We wanna be. I love being the hero of my story. But I'm a witness to God's grace, to his love, that he saved me. Um, it's a great small group question this week. If you guys are meeting this coming week, maybe you won't because you've spent so much time, you know, this past week. Everett, I'm sorry, man, the mic is going <laughs> to... I think I got it. All right. Bear with me. Yeah. Thank you. Um, That's a great question. How do we try to be the hero of our stories? That's a great question to ask in a small group. And how are we called to witness to the grace of God? What's God done in my week or my day today? It's a great question to process as your group meet. Because He wants us to be a community, He wants us to be a family where our stories tie into His story. And we are to gaze upon Jesus, to fix our eyes upon him. And that's what this cloud helps us to do. But he also tells us not just to to remember the witnesses. He tells us also to remove the weights. Remove every weight. Look in the second half of verse one. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. See, we carry a lot of burdens We hold on to them and they prohibit our race. There was a, uh, growing up in the church, we had a lot of activities, I'm sure you all do as kids. One of those activities, uh, as a summer camp, we had a race where the kids had to hold an egg on a spoon. Have you ever seen those races? And you're trying to run and you you have the egg there and you have to get, get to the end. Well, the race took place. Everyone's focused on the, on the spoon, but they're running okay. And there was this little three or four year old boy. And he had the egg on the, on the spoon, and he's, he's, he's really got his, all his laser focus on this one little spoon and, and the egg. And everyone, he looks up, everyone's passed him. And he grabs the egg, and he throws it on the ground, and he bolts off, and he beats everyone to the race. He's a smart kid. <laughs> He took his eyes off of his burden. He laid aside every hindrance and he ran as fast as he could. That's what we're called to do. The word weight here, it's it's not a a word that that includes sin, but it doesn't just include sin. It's it's the things that, that distract us, the things that we can become laser focused on, our circumstances. Sometimes it's our identities. We talked about that in a few groups. Sometimes it's a, I'm a really good person or I'm a really hard worker or, or I have to care and parent my, my kids well, and we become so laser- focused on ourselves that we've lost our sight of who Jesus is, and we're called to fixate on Him and to run this race, to throw away everything else, including the sin which so easily entangles. So what is sin? Sin is separation. Sin is the thing that divides us. In fact, when they're in the garden and God tells them about the consequence for sin, he describes it as death. That's a visible picture of what sin is. It separates us from our bodies. It physically separates us from our loved ones. Because that's what sin does. It pulls us out of community. And and the author is saying one of the ways we have to run, run faithfully, Is in fixing our eyes on Jesus is is to repent of our sin, to literally turn from it and turn to someone else. We must be repentant sinners and set aside our sin because it separates us from God, it separates us from one another. It's hard to examine those things, and it's hard to be told about sin in our lives. It can make us angry and frustrated. It's actually a blessing when people do speak into our lives. A few weeks ago, so our family, we just got a, I've talked, the search committee's probably tired of me talking about my cat, but we just got a new cat. It was a rescue cat, and uh, it's a little kitten, probably about 10 weeks old, and um, our kids love this cat. They just feed it, take care of it. Well, I was sitting at dinner the other day and I was being the hero. I was k- picking up all the dishes, thinking how great of a dad I am. And, and as I'm turning, I step and I hear this wow, and a thunder run. I had stepped on the cat, and all the kids are like, No, what are you doing? You're not a hero, you're the villain. And, and, and so, what do I start saying? No, the, the cat shouldn't be in the kitchen. The cat shouldn't be sleeping on the floor. That's not the place for the cat. I'm going to help the cat by helping it learn not to sleep on the kitchen floor. I know, that's silly. But what am I doing? I'm lessening the pain. I'm diminishing what I did that was wrong. And that's what sin does. It actually suppresses who we are and our need for a savior. It clings to us. God is calling us to remove the weights, to shed off the sin, because it clings to the subtleties of our hearts. And he also wants us to, to refocus when weary. It's easy to become weary. Weariness is the experience of discouragement. It's, it's like a sickness for when you, you don't feel like you can move on or continue doing what, what, what you're called to do. There are a moments when we feel weary, when we feel sick, and we don't know what to do, we don't want to do. And, and, and that's when the Hebrew offers, he, he, he tells us in verse 3, if you look there, he says, consider him who endured such sinners, from sinners, such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So the author of Hebrews is not just considering the what of our endurance, but the how of our endurance. How do we endure? And the answer to the how comes back to the who. It's not by fixing ourselves up, not pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's not by trying harder. It's by looking to Jesus. It's to consider who he is and what he endured for us. The hostility that the sinners, us, poured out on him. It's so easy to turn our eyes away from Christ when we're weary. And this causes even more weariness. In my church, we are uh, praying for a covenant child named Baby Jack who's currently in the hospital in the NICU. He was born at 25 weeks. And how quickly we can get weary, looking at ourselves and our abilities, looking at our weaknesses and our frailties, And from a circumstantial perspective, baby Jack's life, it hangs in this balance from our side. But in Christ, baby Jack is held secure. And that's true for all of us in Christ Jesus. We're on a firm foundation. And even when everything else around us feels uncertain, we refocus ourselves away from our circumstances back to Jesus. And this is true in our interpersonal relationships. You know, when we're angry, when we're distraught, frustrated in life, you know, we take our eyes off of Jesus, we put them on ourselves. But but do you see, even in this passage, what what the author is saying is Jesus grounds our ability to forgive, to love, to set ourselves aside because he's forgiven us, because he loves us he gave himself for us. You see, if you've been struggling with God for a long time, and if you feel like you used to walk with Jesus, and you tried a long time ago to follow him, but you feel like you haven't endured, maybe you're wondering he's angry with you. Maybe you think that you've sinned so greatly that he'll never receive you. See, the Lord Jesus' great joy is to welcome you into his arms, to come to those who are weary and heavy laden. All come to him. He invites you, he wants you near. Don't hesitate, don't hold back. He became sin so that you would come and know that you're loved. He did this with his disciples. You see, the first communion, the first Lord's Supper, which we'll take later this service, he was sitting around a table where in just a few minutes, just a few hours later, all of those closest friends would betray him, deny him, reject him, and run as fast as they could away from him. Do you know what Jesus, knowing that about his disciples, do you know what he said at the beginning of that? I earnestly desire, joy, I earnestly desire to eat this meal with you, to fellowship with you, to have you in my presence while I can. I earnestly desire to be near you, knowing that they wouldn't understand, knowing that they would struggle, knowing that they wouldn't feel like they could endure. Jesus doesn't want you far off in your weariness. Refocus, come to Jesus, know that he endured pain, the cross for you. In 1993, there was a pastor, Andrew Brunson. He's a a pastor who was in the uh, EPC, if you're familiar, Evangelical Presbyterian Church. He moved his family and himself as a missionary to Turkey to plant churches, Presbyterian churches. And in 2016, the uh, organization, missions organization that he went with, was declared by the government to be a terrorist organization. And he was arrested and put into jail on grounds of being a terrorist for preaching the gospel. He endured so many heart conditions in a Turkish prison. And, and the family and church members were fervently praying for his release. He held fast, fixing his eyes on Jesus. He said he continued to remain in worship with his Savior. He even wrote a hymn while in prison. And in 2018, he was finally released, able to share and witness the story of God's faithfulness in his live, life. Life. But listen to what he said as he reflected on this. He said, there were many times that I was deeply discouraged, but I held on to God's promises, which became a lifeline. He's the God who sees us, who sits with us in darkness, and who will bring us into the light again. This is true for Pastor Brunson, but it's true for all who call upon the name of Jesus. Look to the Lord Jesus, come when you're weary, hold fast to the the promises that God has in Christ Jesus. Hear the faithful witnesses of those who've gone before us and those who are in your midst that point to Jesus and remove, turn all your sin and the weight of every hindrance so that you may run with joy through the pain to a God who loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you see us and you know us and you love us. Help us to seek you out, to run in this life by looking to you, to the salvation you've accomplished through the cross, that you are the one who reigns on high. And would you give us a deeper sense of your joy in the restoration of all things? As we keep our eyes fixed upon your Son, we pray this all in his name, the name above all other names, Jesus the Christ. Amen.